Hey, chiropractors and marketers. We are ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Today, I'm actually going to bring you the audio of a video that I shot about the NFL Combine for a online course uh, out of Australia. It's going to be me really breaking down what I do for the NFL Combine prep down here in South Florida and then when I go to Indianapolis. I've been very fortunate since 2008 to be part of this and done it every year since. It's a, a big responsibility in January, February, and March of my year. Uh, this particular year, I actually will have 30 football players I'm in charge of from a clinical standpoint, not from the training aspect of it, but from the clinical standpoint. I'll have 30 in Boca Raton and then another 25 in Fort Lauderdale at another facility, both with XPE Sports. And so you can look that up. Uh, It's a really uh, impressive training facility. And I thought this would be a good episode because I get a lot of chiropractors asking me about what I do with the NFL Combine. And then in this presentation, I do talk a lot about teamwork, communication with different entities, whether it's communication to our orthopedist or to the trainer, to the sports agent, just really having a lot of communication going on within our team and working well together. And I think if you can replicate that in your community, whether it's with a CrossFit gym or it's other doctors, it's a golf country club, maybe it's a college university, there's teams and there's different types of sports you can get involved in. There's all kinds of different aspects that you really need to play well with others have good teamwork and ideal uh, communication. And I think that's one of the things I've learned by being a clinical director of a two-month combine program where there's just a lot of moving parts. And and each year we have between one and five first-round picks. So these are high-level players and there's a lot on the line with it. And I feel like I've done a good job of taking that and also transferring that to my community when I'm working with the regular folks and the regular active and and athletic and weekend warriors. And so that's really the essence of what this audio is and what I want you to get out of it. Before we play that, one thing I do want to offer up, I've had this in the past, is March 1st through the 5th, I will be in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Uh, We all go with the players And I've had some students come and observe a little bit of the training and treatment that goes on in the afternoons and at night. So if you, if you're going to be there, I can only take a few, but if you're going to be there or uh, you just want to make a quick trip from one of the schools there, if you're a student, this is for the students. Okay. I'm more than happy to have you come and, and check it out and get a little bit of a learning experience. There usually is a, a conference that goes on there, a chiropractic conference. I think it's um, the pro football chiropractic group that's there. And so I, I know there are some students that attend that. But email me, Kevin at moderndeskjockey.com. If you want to take me up on that, I'd be more than happy to you know, let you observe a little bit and, and get a little learning experience. Again, that's for students only, chiropractic students. Uh, and then lastly, before we jump into it, you know, we still are working with chiropractors on the corporate chiropractic stuff, and we're getting a lot of good feedback from that. And you can check out uh, thecorporatechiro.com for more information with that and joining the academy, essentially uh, turning yourself into the 
expert in health and wellness for the desk jockey in your community and also trying to get on site, perform on site care, ergonomics, talks, things like that. So check us out there. All right, here is my presentation on my role in the NFL Combine training programs. All right, welcome. This is Dr. Kevin Christie. I'm going to be discussing my role as clinical director for NFL Combine training programs down here in South Florida. Uh, I've been practicing for uh, about 12 years now. I'm going to get into a little bit of my background, so I won't belabor it too much, but I want you to understand where I came from, how I got to this point of working with these training facilities. Uh, going on nine years now with two different uh, programs uh, and just a lot of the learning experience that I've gain. And then we'll get into some of the details of really working as a team, how to manage these players coming in, and just some of the, the nuances that are very unique to the NFL Combine programs that we have here in the, in the U.S. And so my background is I am a chiropractor. I'm trained in active release technique and certified in that, Graston technique, kinesio taping, a bunch of other different types of certifications that give me a little bit more of qualifications to deal with sports injuries than just straight up being a chiropractor. And so when I was in school at Florida State, I went to Florida State University for undergrad. I really wanted to get into athletics. I knew I wanted to go to chiropractic school and I wanted to find the best path for me to work with athletes. It's always been a passion of mine. Uh, I was an athlete growing up. So when I was at Florida State, I would say it was my sophomore year. So my second year there, I took an internship with the strength and conditioning team and I worked with them for a full year, learned a lot. And then I got into my exercise physiology major, which was pretty extensive, a lot of training with that. And then concurrently, my last two years at Florida State, I was working in the general population fitness and exercise sciences and working with a lot of just regular folks. And so it was a good combination of working with the high-level athletes as well as the, the regular population. And then that geared me towards going to chiropractic school. And when I got there, I really started taking courses outside of the curriculum that would help me uh, work with athletic population. And so I, I really focused on a lot with golf, actually, and uh, runners. And so it was kind of the niches that I was learning a lot while I was in school. And then subsequently got certified, like I mentioned, in active release techniques and grass and technique. And in 2006, I graduated. I came down to South Florida where I'm originally from, uh, which ended up being really the beginning of how I got to where I'm at now, because the reality of it is, is you're probably not going to run an NFL combine training program if you're practicing in Australia, or if you're practicing in small town mid-America, where there's just not many college athletes that are going into training facilities. It's just, it's a, South Florida is a hotbed. There's other areas in the country that are, California, Texas, uh, Georgia, and there's other ones. There's definitely other training programs, uh, but I wouldn't say at the scale that we see in South Florida because mainly December, January, February, March is when this is occurring. And many parts of our country, it's too cold and there's a lot of outdoor component of the training. And a lot of these guys want to come down to the warm weather. Obviously, we have that down in in South Florida, so it really uh, helps uh, with that. So I started, you know, practicing in, in private practice, and in about a year and a half in, so this would have been about middle of 2007, 
I got approached to run my practice inside of a training facility with uh, Pete Bomarito. And his company now is Bomarito Performance Systems, and you can look that up. Uh, it wasn't that at the time, it was, it was, he just was working for a gym, but he was quite a draw for a lot of these pro athletes, in particular NFL football and college uh, football and, into the draft. And so I worked with him 2007, 2008, 2009, and then he went further down south into more into Miami, and I was going further up north into what is uh, Boca Raton, Florida, and about a 45-minute difference or so. But around the same time, a gentleman named Tony Vellani was moving from Atlanta, Georgia, down, and him and Pete were colleagues and knew each other. So, so Pete had connected me with Tony in 2010, and I've been Tony Vellani's clinical director uh, since then. So I've been doing it for about nine or ten years, and, the, and since 2010, I've been doing it with Tony Bellani, and it's just been uh, both guys, Pete and Tony, have top guys. I remember my first year with Tony, we had five first-round picks. Every year, we've had at least two, I believe, and it's usually between two and five first-rounders, and many other uh, players uh, throughout the, the draft. And so it's definitely been something that I've been able to work with some of the highest levels of these uh, players, and it's been quite a learning experience. Uh, I, I felt pretty prepared early on, but definitely as you, as I went through um, the experience of it hands-on, it was kind of trial by fire. And that's where I'll be able to convey a lot of the learning experiences uh, for you uh, during this presentation and uh, kind of the different nuances of it and some of the differences between working in an NFL combine training program versus working with a team year round or working with an athlete in your private practice. There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities, but a ton of differences as well. And it's definitely uh, going to be a key part of what I discuss today. So that's my background. You know, I have private practices. I work with a lot of general population, December through March, really heavy on the NFL combine in early March. The NFL combine is in, Indianapolis, Indiana, and it's a week long, and I go up there. I've been up there every year since 2008, and I'll be there again this year as kind of a support system. And so what I'm going to do to kind of start out this uh, presentation is uh, kind of start from when they come in, like when the player comes in, some of the decision-making that goes on, some of the processes, some of the, the challenges we have, and we'll just kind of go step-by-step step from there and make this as kind of an, I want to give you as much of the experience as I can that, that I deal with, and then also discuss a lot of things like teamwork and clinical application as well. So the first thing really to understand is that these college players have a season. A lot of times they get banged up during the season. They do deal with injuries. And I'm going to give you some case studies. I won't mention names, but of things that have happened where I have to be kind of a almost like a private investigator from a medical standpoint to really figure out the answer because uh, we've had some unfortunate things where, you know, the colleges sometimes know that that player, it's the last year that they're going to have that player and their only true care for that player is them being on the field and at all costs getting them on the field. And so that's, um, that, that's a reality that I will dive into. So these players have a season uh, and then, the, one of the unique things about it is a lot of these players play in schools that have bowl games and a lot of them play for schools that don't have bowl games. So if the player doesn't have a bowl game, they are going to be ending their season at the end of November. If they do have a bowl game, their last game could be anywhere from the end of towards the end of December 
all the way to January, I think it's 12th now, if they play in this four-team playoff for the championship, that final game is usually about, it's a Monday night, so the, the date changes. It's always a Monday night. But it's typically that January 12th range, so you can see there's a difference of when we get guys. And sometimes we have plenty of time to iron things out, and sometimes we don't. And that's a big thing to, to consider. And so in December, we're getting some players. We categorize them into different aspects because we do have a full, and I'll discuss this further, uh, we do have a full sports medicine component attached to the sports training component of it. And so we do have some players that come in that are post-surgical. So if they are post-surgical, there's a lot of communication between myself as the clinical director and the the school, the surgeon, the, the player's agent, the player, sometimes the player's parents, and then also our physical therapist. So we have a physical therapist, a licensed physical therapist that handles our post-surgical uh, players. And so obviously they're going to go into more of a rehab-heavy program versus training-heavy program like most of the other players do. So that's definitely one category of player that we have. The other one is the you know perfectly healthy player that can just really dive into training. And then the other is obviously uh, banged up maybe, but not post-surgical to where they can still train, but they got to get healthy because one of the overarching issues with the NFL combine in Indianapolis, like the actual testing is that these guys feel compelled to have to uh, put up numbers, certain numbers that maybe don't even translate to the football field. And it's a really unique thing where you know, some people are just really good football players, and but you put them on a 40-yard dash, not as fast as they'd like, or you put them on a bench press, and they're not as strong in their body as you would like, but whether the guy gets 22 reps on the bench press or 21 or 20 can make him feel like he had a good combine bench press or not, but does that really make a difference in his career in the NFL? And so it's it's unique where they really are putting – it's almost like taking the SAT in the, in the United States for – um, your academics or your MCAT academics to get into medical school. It's like it's based on a number and you want to achieve a certain number. And these players want to achieve that. And the reality of it is, is to achieve that ideal 40-yard dash or to achieve that ideal bench or the three-cone shuttle or any of the different things that happen, they really need to be firing on all cylinders and they need to be feeling 100% healthy. So the health care of these players from December, January, February – is very, very important, and we try to get them uh, as healthy as we can and, and maintain that. And so those are like the three subset of players that we get. Just to recap, post-surgical, we don't get a ton of them, but it does happen. Injured, but not post-surgical, and then healthy. Uh, all of them are going to receive care. They're just going to fall into a different continuum of care, and that's part of what my role as a clinical director has been, is to really try to set a tailor a game plan for each one of these players, you know, we may have 30 come in uh, for the combine program and we have to really make sure that each one feels like they're getting um, a tailored program for them that takes into their medical needs and their training. And then there has to be a lot of communication, not only between the medical staff or the sports medicine staff, but also sports medicine staff and the training staff. And so we'll, we'll dive into some of that communication that is uh, required as well, which is, um, Uh, To me, really the most important part of working this combine program is working as a team and having that communication on all fronts. And I'll kind of go through how that 
works uh, for sure. Uh, so, you know, kind of go back where we were. That's a lot of those players are coming in December, but then a lot are coming in to January and where we get a big influx in early January because a lot of the bowl games are around New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. So, uh, you know, January 4th, January 5th is really kind of the the sweet spot as far as when a lot of the players are coming in and so we're getting inundated with them. So when that player comes in, so now I'm going to give you kind of the player experience when they come into the NFL combine uh, training program. They're going to see myself and I'm going to go through all the orthopedic testing with them, all the history and consultation, figure out all the post-surgical history, figure out injury history. I want to make sure I know what surgery they've had, what significant injuries they had. So they have someone that's never had surgeries, but they had a severe, severe you know, MCL sprain, uh, grade two, let's say, not severe, severe, but, or a severe ankle sprain or just whatever it may be. I want to know that. And then sometimes we get players that are uh, perfectly healthy and we want to know where they're at uh, presently as well. So I really try to get a, a clear picture clinically from our history consultation and, and examination of where they're at. And so that they all do that. And from there, it gives us an understanding of, okay, you know, player A, is perfect, healthy. He can go through the training aspect with uh, Tony and Bill, Tony Villani and Bill Welly, uh, in our case, and um, no limitations. You know, explain them that they're, they're great. Let's just monitor them. They're going to have, they're going to continue to get treatment. Like they're going to get massage therapy regularly. They're going to get chiropractic care. They're going to get functional movement screen. And I'll, again, I'll get into that a little bit too. They're going to get into all those things and have the, the body maintenance. They're going to do yoga with our yoga instructor. They're going to do all that stuff and try to maintain their health. And then if anything happens, we'll put out fire as it occurs and try to, you know, if they tweak a hamstring, we want to make sure we get rid of that right away. So they're still going to fall into our sports medicine team and get care. It's just obviously it's, it's optimization at that point and keeping them healthy. Now the person that's, you know, dealing with an injury, like let's say it's a, we get a lot of AC joint sprain, shoulder pain. We get a lot of low back pain, a lot of knee issues that are not structural in nature, but causing pain, Achilles tendinosis, foot, ankle issues. We see a lot of, if they're coming in with that during our history and consultation, we're going to obviously develop a care plan to address that condition. And that will again, include some of the same modalities that I mentioned for the healthy player, but will now include physical therapy as well. And then we will also have things like deep tissue laser therapy that we'll do on that, kinesio taping, Graston technique, active release technique, things like that to really help with that sports injury and get them feeling healthy. And when that we have that particular player, we need to make sure that we have that communication where, you know, maybe they're not training as hard as the healthy person, but they're training and we need to communicate what they can and cannot do. And they're getting treatment, but then we want it to merge to where, okay, treatment and the training, and they go and they're, boom, they're 100%. Knees feeling great, now they can do everything. Or the shoulder's doing great, they can do bench press, again, which they couldn't do before. And that's where all of the communication between the medical and, and sports medicine staff occurs. And then obviously with the training staff and making sure that that communication is extremely consistent and clear so that that player is... Um, is going down the right track because we got to get them that merging has to happen pretty quickly. You know, like if we get them in January 5th and the combine is March 1st or whatever it is, we don't have a ton of time if it's a significant injury because we're, we're not only trying to get them better 
for the combine date of March 1st. But we got to get better quicker because we, get, we, need, we need them firing all cylinders during training so that they can increase their 40-yard dash and all the other myriad of drills that they're doing. So we really are throwing a lot of you know, sports rehabilitation at them. Now, if during my examinations and histories and consultations with these players and I see anything that's a red flag, we do have an orthopedic surgeon that is uh, part of our team. He, he doesn't come into the facility and is there all the time. He's right down the street and we can expedite a visit with the orthopedist to evaluate that, see if we need to have any advanced imaging, see if there was any advanced imaging in the past and, and really develop a plan uh, for that particular player, rule out anything see if conservative care is still the option, see if maybe we can expedite it through maybe a PRP injection or stem cell, if that's the case. Like There's a lot of different options the orthopedic group that we work with can give our player. Uh, so during that initial exam and history and consultation, we're really trying to figure out the puzzle that is this particular player and getting them down the right path, which I'm going to do a little bit of a segue here. Um, I, I talk to these players the first week they're there. I give them a complete rundown of what we're going to do. And I try to establish three key things with that particular player. One is trust. I, I really try to convey to them that they should and they need to trust us because a lot of times they come from a college and a program that they don't necessarily trust because if, if they, you know, if they don't want to know, they don't sometimes want the team to know that they're banged up or because they don't want to not play. Right. Or um, they don't want to be seen in athletic training room because they don't want to play. Or if they have something significant, we don't want them thinking that we have anything to do with communicating that to anybody outside of our circle. Cause it's HIPAA, you know, like we can't just go and tell people what this particular condition is. So we really have that confidentiality with that particular player. So that's the number one thing is I want them to trust us that we have their best intention in mind with their health care and their training. The second thing is, is that even if it's not a musculoskeletal thing, like we've had players that get sick or we, last year we had a guy that had a toothache, like a severe toothache and he, you know, try to train when you have a severe toothache, he can't. So he was, you know, on the verge, if he didn't get this fixed right away, he could miss, I mean, up to, I don't know, a week of, of training and we just don't have time for that. So I had to expedite you know, a visit with the dentist and get that taken care of. And so it can be uh, being sick. There's a lot of different things that can happen. And so I try to make sure that they understand a key component of that is to, um, as soon as something happens, no matter what it is health-related, communicate with us and communicate with me to get that done. And then the third is I try to really instill on them is even if they're feeling great, they're feeling 100%, they still need to get treatment regularly. They still need the maintenance care. They still need to do the yoga. They still need to come and see chiropractic and you know massage and acupuncture, all the things we offer. And I will break down what we do offer for these particular players. And so I really try to get them to understand that. So three of the things that I really try for them to understand when I talk to them during that first week is to trust us is to communicate with us on, on anything health related that's going on and to obviously take care of their body even when they're healthy. Uh, do not get complacent. Uh, I've seen that too often where they get complacent and then they tweak something a week before Indianapolis Combine and it's like impossible to get them completely better. So I always try to convey uh, those three things to the player early on. 
So that rolls us into January. Now the next unique thing about the combine prep program and the training is that a lot of these players, if they are seniors in college, they have the option of playing in a senior bowl game. And there's many of them. And it's usually in mid to late January where they go for a week and they practice against the other players and then they play in a game. And it's like a showcase game where they um, there's a lot writing on it. And really what makes it unique is you may have some players that haven't played a football game in a month. And they've been, now they've been training for to basically track and field, like 40-yard dash and bench press and three-cone shuttle and all this different stuff. And now they got to go and, and practice for a week <laughs> and they're not in football shape because there's a difference between football shape and combine shape. And they go and they practice and they are practicing against guys like this. Practices are intense because it's all the college scouts and, and coaches and GMs watching. They're all trying to kill each other because they're trying to go all out and show out because this, this can mean millions of dollars. So you got guys like at high intensity that may have not played or practiced in, in a month or sometimes a guy that hasn't practiced in a month, like his last game was November 27th. And then he's lining up against a guy that was in a bowl game that played, you know, January 8th. And so who do you think is going to be in better football shape? And so it's just, it's a really unique situation, but it can be in a very important uh, week and a practice and game for players. A lot of players move up in the draft because of their performance on this. So it's vital for them to attend it for a lot of them. Now, some of the players that are top five picks, better seniors, they can opt out of it. It's not going to affect your draft status because they're just, they're top five picks. They're that, they're that good. Uh, and then obviously if you're below, like if you're a junior and stuff, you, you know, you're not invited to these uh, games, so they don't have it. So some of our players now have been training for a couple weeks, potentially for combine are now going to go and potentially get banged up. And so a lot of times we have guys that practice for a day or two and they get hurt during practice and they fly back because they're not going to play in the game. And we start working on them trying to, you know, now it's like, let's say January 20th or whatever it is. And we've got a month or so to get them uh, firing all cylinders again. So it's kind of like a triage thing when they get back is, okay, what kind of injuries do we have? And we have to expedite the care for some of these particular players. Uh, So that is a big week for us. That first week is big with all the initial examinations and consultations and, and getting players into the path that we need them to fall into. And then another big one is that week, that time frame of the, uh, of the bowl games, the senior bowl games. And so that's a challenge. The next phase we get into February and we're really starting to fire in all cylinders. The training that Tony and Bill are putting these guys through is really intensifying. And I would say it becomes another key time frame for us from the sports medicine team to where we're starting to get guys really pushing it to really open it up and really try to get that 40 yard dash faster and get, get more speed, more agility and to really get opening them up. And so we're starting to see, uh, little more hamstring strains. We're starting to see some groin strains and some knee pain, Achilles tendinosis, some hip flexor stuff. Because uh, what's happening, obviously, when you're trying to increase someone's speed and you only have eight weeks to do it, you're really trying to push the envelope to get them faster. And obviously, speed is your stride length and your turnover rate. And that stride length of really trying to open them up, and there's a lot of drills that they do to try to really open them up and get that stride length going and the the whole uh, biomechanics of of speed training that it does wake some things up 
And then when you really start to push it, we start to see some of those uh, musculoskeletal injuries, and we really have to be able to address that. And again, a lot of the communication has to go on. I would say that communication is and, and, and really trying to facilitate all of the care and then what they can and cannot do from a training standpoint is my key role, which uh, I will break down a little bit further, our, our team and the different roles that everybody plays. So that's kind of February. And then it becomes, you know, time to, to leave soon. And that week beforehand, we really just, uh, you know, cross our fingers, hope that everybody's healthy, doing well. We don't have any last minute setbacks because then we all shove off to Indianapolis. And when I'm in Indianapolis and we, we usually bring myself obviously the training uh, staff of Tony and Bill and, and some of his team members. We have our physical therapists come, we have stretching, we have massage therapy there, and we bring portable tables. We get a big expo center room and we have a whole setup there for these particular players and including even one of the shred mills. And you can go to xpsports.com if you want to see what uh, Tony Villani has developed with the shred mill as far as his training. He brings one of those to Indianapolis and does work with them. And so uh, we're there as a support system. We have some last minute injuries. We have some guys that are dealing with injuries and some just, we're just trying to keep them fresh. Uh, so that is really what our final uh, kind of uh, aspect of the combine is, is being in Indianapolis uh, for these players and, and obviously trying to give them the best opportunity that, that they can to, to obviously succeed at the combine. And then after the combine, we do come back and we have players that are pro days. Every player has a pro day option. Not every university has the pro day at their university, but players that don't go to big schools, they can go to some of the other schools. Every player that's invited to the NFL combine does have a pro day as well. Not every player will do a, a pro day, but there is like those pro days run everywhere from like March all the way through April. So they're not out of the woods yet after the combine. We still have some work to do, uh, but I'll kind of cut it off at there as far as what the experience is with these players coming in and the timeline of what, what we have to do uh, from a sports medicine side of things. And I'm going to kind of transition now into our team and the different roles that we have and kind of the hierarchy. I'm going to give you like the whole thing of, of what we have. So it really starts, you know, with the player. It's like the player is the guy and the parents have some say on things for sure. And then underneath the player, you have the agent. And a lot of times the agent is directing the player on potentially where to go and they're footing the bill and different things like that. And then under that, you have Tony Villani, in our case, that is the owner and developer of XPE Sports. And he's the draw for these players. Uh, he's got the reputation. And so they come in a lot of times based on recommendations from other players to Tony. And then from there, you know, below that is we've kind of got the, the two aspects. We have the sports training and we have the sports medicine. And I kind of sit up the top with the sports medicine. And as the clinical director, I'm really the first line of defense for the injuries and the healthcare. And so I'm the first person the player texts me or Tony does or the agent. I talk to the agent, talk to the schools, all the different things. Um, so I've kind of sit there. Then alongside with me, we have a physical therapist and they are usually like available three times a week or so. And, and they have set players with the significant injuries and obviously post-surgical that does that. Uh, we have a full massage therapy program. It's it's kind of like a 
an intensive where people can come and train under George, who's our, our lead massage therapist, and they go through a whole training, and then they do massage in the afternoons. Uh, I think it's four or five days a week. Uh, not every player does it like every day. It's just different schedules, but they're available Monday through Friday with massage therapy and body work. And a lot of the body work is preventative. And a lot of times it is is for pain and, and injury relief. And that's where a lot of times we'll communicate on certain conditions with the massage therapy and body work uh, crowd, which, which really helps out. Uh, we also have acupuncture that comes on site once a week to do acupuncture on players. Uh, we have yoga once a week, which helps out. And I think that's twice a week. We have a nutritionist, which I'm not going to really dive a lot into as sports medicine part of things. Not that it isn't or whatever, but just um, we do have a nutritionist and a lot of that is guided with Tony. So more under the sports training umbrella, I would say, under our program. And then uh, kind of lastly, like I said, we have the, the orthopedist that we consult with a lot. And we have a lot of outside referral sources in the community that I've developed for certain conditions, like I said before, like the dentist and things like that. So essentially, they have a full healthcare team, and we make sure that they are provided with some of the best care available for them. And it really has been a growing process. When I first started in 2010, we had a much smaller sports medicine team than we do now. And it's been a lot, uh, lot more development, a lot more working together. And I would say the results and of our healthcare have been a, a lot better. It's been really nice. Uh, I do have an imaging center I work with, with a radiologist there in case we need to do that, which does happen. My role is to know everything about the player, what's going on and being the point of contact. And so if we feel like we need to image someone, I got to set up the MRI. If we feel like we need the orthopedist, I got to get that set up. I, I do have an assistant that helps me out with that, but we're constantly trying to make sure that the care is expedited as fast as possible at a level that is very high. That's a big part of what uh, my role is, is kind of clinical director, communicating with everybody, being like the private investigator of what happened. And, and that's where I'm going to segue into now where I've had many players and I'm going to give some examples again without names, but I've had times where we've evaluated a player and I'm like, okay, there's, there's a red flag here. And, you know, players like, yeah, I injured it back in September playing football and, you know, they, they MRI'd it, but they said it was, you know, fine, just some strain of the shoulder or whatever. We'll send for a new MRI if I really feel like there's red flags or the ortho and the ortho sends for the MRI, just whatever happens first. And we find something significant, like say a torn labrum. And then from there, what I'll do is, and I've done this before, is I'll contact the school. I'll ask them to send us all their records. Obviously, the player has to sign off on that. I'll get the MRI from, say, September, and it'll show the structural damage from the injury but they didn't really convey that to the player because they knew the player. I would say some of this is, you know, not a hundred percent anybody's fault all the time. Sometimes it just is missed or, but sometimes it's not, it's not a great thing that happens. And they just say, okay, that player can play through the pain of a shoulder injury. You know, he's a, a cornerback or a wide receiver. He can play. If he was a quarterback, like throwing the ball would be a different problem, but he, he can play through it. And we need them on the field. And then sometimes the player does know, and they do it anyway. They play anyway. They want to play through that final season. But now we are at a situation, it's early January, and that player didn't realize the extent of the damage to his shoulder. 
now there's a problem. Like now there's a torn labrum. Obviously, we're not going to get that better for combine. We can't heal a torn labrum. It's a surgical procedure for a football player. You know, most, I would say, very vast, vast majority. If you had a torn labrum in the shoulder, it's going to be a surgical case. That's where we have to communicate with the player. We need to communicate with the the agent and say, okay, this is the scenario. Now they have some options. You know, they can get the surgery done right away and they're going to miss uh, the NFL combine or they can do the NFL combine, maybe not do the bench press because the shoulder is a problem and they'll do everything else. They'll kind of keep it under wraps or they'll tell the sports medicine team in Indianapolis either way. And then after the combine, they'll have surgery and get them ready for the season. Uh, A lot goes into it because the draft stock of that particular player can take a hit if there's a significant injury like that, whether it's an you know, ligament damage in the knee or the, or the shoulder. So there's a lot that goes into that. And that's my job is just to facilitate the teams. You know, sometimes these agents really like their own orthopedist. So they'll send them up to like New York for the evaluation. So I'll get on the phone with the surgeon up there and we'll have that communication. And we get the clear picture of everything, like the health, when surgery should happen, what happened in the past, why it happened in the past. Is this going to affect the draft stock? Is this going to affect his playing career? Is this going to is he going to be able to play this season or not? Uh, there's a lot of things that go into this kind of whole process uh, amongst all, everybody. Again, the player, the agent, the parents, the training staff, the surgeon, us, you know, the whole nine yards. And then from there, it's usually up to the player, agent, and parents to decide what they want to do when they want to have surgery and things like that. So those are some of the tough conversations that we have to have, but it's vital because if I miss that, like if I do the evaluation and I don't catch that red flag and we just go about our business and, you know, treat it conservatively, and then he shows up to Indianapolis for the combine, the first thing that these players do when they get off the plane is they're, they're shuttled to the hospital where all the team orthopedists and doctors are there and they just get poked and prodded and all kinds of different evaluations, x-rays and MRIs. If they have any past injuries that the team knows about, they MRI it and x-ray it. If there's any red flags during examination, they'll MRI it. So if that player shows up to Indianapolis and all of a sudden he finds out for the first time he's got a torn labrum in the shoulder, that's on me. You know, That's something that we would have missed and that's not a good situation. So it's something that we always want to try to make sure we we get figured out right away and then get at least the best case scenario going for that. And so I would say that is a big part. You know, if we have 30 players, um, that might happen one to three times. So one to three of our players every year. And we have to make sure we catch that. And we have to make sure we all work as a team and communicate to make sure that players immediate future and career is, um, you know, given the best chance. Because that's the thing too, some of these injuries, we don't want it to be this, this like dragged on event and injury that ends up affecting his career in his first year. Some of these players, you know, if they're a fifth round pick and they miss a year because of an injury or they, they play poor because they're banged up and no one really addressed it correctly. They can be in and out of that league before you even know it. it's crazy how, you know, some of these careers are eight months to two years. And so we really try to make sure we take not only the NFL combine into consideration, but this player's livelihood and his career. So that's definitely a key component of what, of what I do uh, for sure. Uh, from a treatment standpoint, I do, I do all the chiropractic adjustments 
I do a lot of the active release technique and the Graston technique, uh, which is the instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation and do a lot with the sports injuries with that. That's where, again, the communication comes into play. If I'm getting on someone, you know, it's like let's say I'm getting on their hamstring really well because they tweaked it, I really need the body workers to know that I got on it and we don't want to overdo it. Uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes that clinicians make and I see at the combine is because these guys have a lot of time on their hands. You know, they're not in school anymore. They're not practicing football. They're not playing in games. They're literally eating, <laughs> sleeping, and breathing NFL combine training and medical. And so sometimes they'll get too much treatment. So there is a problem with too much treatment in these settings. And getting massage four days a week would not be a good idea uh, on the same area. Or if I beat it up with Graston technique, we don't want to get massage right after. You know, there's a lot of things that we have to do to communicate. And then what I do is I go to the training facility to do the chiropractic work. And then my sports medicine center is only a mile down the road. And I've got all the bells and whistles, everything from open rehab area for training. We have all the modalities. We have deep tissue laser, whole body cryotherapy. I have a hyperbaric chamber, sports recovery boots, game ready ice system, like all the things that you would find in say a, a sports training facility we have here. And so the players have access to come in and get that work done. And then obviously the ones that are banged up, we try to coordinate care with physical therapy, all the different aspects that we, we mentioned. And so that's kind of my role from a treatment standpoint. I used to do a lot more in 2010, 11, and 12, where I was, we didn't really have a lot of massage therapy. So I was doing a ton more soft tissue work, but now that we have this full body working, body workers program and, and massage, they're getting a lot of that. So I can step back a little bit from the ART because I was having to do like ART and Graston on even healthy people uh, just to maintain some of the muscles. Now I don't have to do that for the healthy guys. The massage and body workers can do that. Now, if someone tweaks a groin or a hamstring, I'll get on it. So that's kind of one of the line of demarcations that we have is if it's an, if it's an injury, I'll be kind of the head on doing the soft tissue work. Whereas if it's not, then body workers are, are working with that player from a soft tissue uh, standpoint. So that's kind of my role from a, a treatment side of things. So it's really, again, it's overseeing everything. It's finding the red flags. It's coordinating the care, developing treatment plans. It's communicating with everybody. And then it is treatment. And I do a, a lot of the treatment side of things uh, on that. So it's uh, a lot of time. Um, luckily, it's only a few months out of my year. I don't know if I can do it year round. It's definitely a lot. Um, I do educate a little bit with the body work program. So I do lecture with them and try to educate them on it as well. So there's definitely a lot going on. But I truly enjoy it. And it's um, something that's very unique, obviously, to uh, certain areas of the United States. We are starting to get, we're getting some European players. And I, I know you're probably familiar with that, to come over and train. So we're getting that, which is interesting, for sure. We're starting to see a lot of success with that. So I'm going to kind of wrap up the talk here with going over some of the things I mentioned before that I feel is, is unique compared to say, you know, working, if you're working with a sports team, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to have an athletic trainer. That's usually the gatekeeper on things and then have the different modalities. And a lot of times it's, it's like a pure triage type of thing. And it's obviously more in the season, a lot more injuries in those types of setting, but you don't really have to, such a, you deal with time frames for sure. 
but you're not dealing with all the different uniqueness. Like these guys are practicing football and playing in games versus where I, the guys that I have are training to be like a track and field and doing things. They really probably aren't ideal for them. And then also practicing for football, playing in a game, things like that. So it's just different type of training that they're doing. So we do see a little bit different uh, sports injuries from that. There's definitely a big, huge component of the team aspect of it between all of the providers. But the one thing that we don't have to deal with is all the coaching staff and getting ready to play in a game. Like, can they play in a game? Or, you know, we don't have to deal with concussion stuff. And we don't have to have that those hard conversations of like that player can't play in that particular game. And so it's not as difficult in that regard, which is which is definitely helpful. The thing that's big difference in private practice is you don't have to have as much communication with all kinds of different entities. You know, like if I get an athlete coming in my private practice, that's not a combine program. I don't have to talk to an agent. I don't have to talk to a physical therapist and the acupuncture and massage. And it gets all like in my, uh, my office. And so it's a little bit less reliant on making sure that communication is, is vital. Um, so that's definitely a, a big difference that we see as well. But, you know, I think you can take a lot of what we discussed today and apply it to different settings, whether you're working with a golfer uh, that's a professional golfer or you're working for a college or a university or you're, you know, in private practice, but you're working in the community and you're connected with personal trainers and strength coaches and body workers and all that. You can develop that team. And that's one of the things I try to instill when I talk with the body workers is that you want to find your team in the community and apply some of these same principles that I mentioned, not that you necessarily would be the, have to be the clinical director, but make a team and and have the communication and, and really, you know, refer back and forth on certain things and develop that team like approach in your community and you'll see better clinical results. It'll help grow your business as well for sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what, what I do with the NFL combine program that's coming up again uh, January 2018, uh, getting ready for that. We're always looking to grow and get better every year. There's always one of the other things I always deal with is all the new medical technologies and having to assess that if it's something worth adding. Do we need it or not? What's the validity of it? Is it going to be too much? Uh, as far as we don't need everything there is to to heal someone, and uh, so just always uh, looking to improve the program, but. Just to kind of wrap it up, I want you to take from this is that when you're working in these types of settings, it's all about teamwork, communication with everybody, knowing kind of your role. Um, that's a big part of it is, is kind of staying in your lane. There's sometimes there is crossover and knowing that, okay, yeah, I'm a chiropractor that does Graston technique and a physical therapist could do Graston technique. And if, if he's doing it, and then I don't want to do it for that particular player. You know, like there's a lot of things you need to do to, as far as working as a team and communicating. And um, just always know you always want to keep the player slash patient first and doing everything you can to give them the best chance to succeed in their sport and endeavor. So I think that would be the key takeaways from what I do as clinical director of the NFL Combine program. And you can always reach out to me to ask any questions or if you have any opportunities that are similar to this to get any feedback from that. So hope you enjoyed it and uh, keep on learning and keep on growing. And then you'll always do amazing things with these athletes. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show with Dr. Kevin Christie. Tune in next week for another episode that will enhance your marketing, business, and practice growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Christie's Modern Desk Jockey podcast and share with your desk-sitting patients. In the Modern Desk Jockey, Dr. Christie provides health and wellness best practices from some of the leading experts in the corporate wellness industry. Remember, chiropractic practice isn't easy, but it shouldn't be overwhelming. Keep leveling up.